You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Paper, Austin, Texas, Sports, The Horn. Monday on The Horn, it's Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Our five hour Monday conversation. And daily yes, conversation continues. we got a lot to do this hour. We'll go at the turn. We'll be halfway through our Monday conversation at the bottom of this hour. So we'll recap what went on out in uh, L.A. over the weekend. Um, no Tiger Woods, no Jordan Spieth. We'll explain coming up in a great round of, on Sunday uh, to win the dang thing. Also, uh, Rod will take us behind the burnt orange curtain. Some details on Steve Sarkeesian's new contract and Texas football news. You know, if you're looking for key dates, Rod, we're 10 days to the start of the combine. Oh, yeah. On this Monday, 21 days, three weeks, uh, three Mondays from now, it'll be NFL free, agent, free agency opening. So we're counting down the, the days to there. Now we've talked about how uh, franchise tags are being discussed here over the between now and March 5th. Some tough decisions to be made. Tough decisions. Uh, who's going to ink long-term deals? Who's going to hit the market? Who gets tagged? All those things will be d- d- debated. And a lot of that work gets done at the Combine, Rod. Yeah. When they get to the Combine in 10 days and the agents are there, the GMs are all there, and they, they really solidify uh, those deals and then trades that may happen. So it uh, should be a pretty active offseason in the NFL as we come off of our first weekend without Football. Now, speaking yeah. of withdrawals, man. Football, uh, you know, soccer. Austin FC starts their, has their first home game in five days. Five days. They're coming up on uh, the okay. 24th. So, Austin FC back for go. another year with their new Yeti uniforms. Or they, their jersey looking good. Uh, they're ready to roll. So, that'll be coming your way uh, here at the end of the week. But uh, uh, baseball's back, too. Let's get to the headlines. Top stories, including a good weekend. Successful weekend for the Longhorns to open up the season. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring them to you. Yeah, we'll start at the dish. What a weekend. A debut of the Longhorn baseball team, the new Yeti Yard, and all the fun. Uh, Texas team window open with a series win. They beat San Diego yesterday, the Toreros, 9-4 to to take the rubber game. 16th-ranked Horns fell behind early in that game, but rallied for three in the fifth, three more in the seventh on their way to securing the series. They also won the opener on Friday night. Jalen Flores, the sophomore uh, shortstop with a big grand slam in that game. A productive opening weekend for the top three in the Texas batting order, that's for sure. The trio of Jared Thomas, Peyton Powell, and Jalen Flores went 15 for 36 over the three games at the top. Two homers, a couple of doubles, a triple, seven walks, and they scored 11 runs. Four more home games on tap this week for Texas. They're going to host Houston Christian tomorrow night at the dish, and then a three-game series with Cal Poly begins on Friday. Also in college baseball, dominating opening weekend down in San Marcos. Texas State opened their season with a three-game series sweep of Youngstown State. Bobcats outscored the Penguins 37-4 in those three victories. 
Moody Center tonight. Quick turnaround and an important game for the Texas men's squad. They'll host Kansas State in one of three remaining regular season home games for Rodney Terry's team. Uh, both teams come in at 5-7 and seven in the Big 12 play. Both are coming off tough losses over this past Saturday. The Wildcats lost to TCU, while Texas ran into a buzzsaw down in Houston, lost to the Cougars by 21. Game tips at 8 o'clock tonight. Safe to say a must win for the Longhorns. All these home games remaining. Got to get them if they're going to get into the big dance. Fifth-ranked Texas women, meanwhile, continue their strong play over the weekend. They rolled to their sixth straight victory for Vic Schaefer. They win 81-60, 11-3 now in Big 12 play. Uh, they're just a game back of Oklahoma with four regular season games remaining. NBA, they wrapped up their annual All-Star weekend in Indianapolis last night with the All-Star game, and as has become the norm, defense was optional. East topped the West 211-186. to After winning the three-point contest on Saturday, Bucks guard Damian Lillard dropped 39 points last night. He wins the Kobe Bryant MVP award. Regular season in the NBA resumes on Thursday. In golf, incredible Sunday for Hideki Matsuyama. The former Masters champion caught fire on the final round and posted a 62 to win the general gen- Genesis Invitational by three strokes. Japanese Stars final round set the Riviera course record for the lowest closing round by a winner. And in NASCAR, because of that nasty storm in Florida over the weekend, the 66th running of the Daytona 500 has been pushed to this afternoon. They'll go green flag racing at 3 o'clock today. Uh, yeah, we heard from Michael Parsons earlier uh, today when we uh, had the round of the day here, talking to Stephen A. Smith during the interview. Michael Parsons did ball out, though, and won the uh, MVP of the celebrity game. 37 points, 16 rebounds, 4 steals. So uh, that's actually pretty impressive. So him and C.J. Stroud were arguing about who was going to have a better game. Turns out Mike got a better game, even though C.J. is a better hooper than Mike, I think. But Micah, Micah showed out. 32 points for C.J., though. He had 32. Wasn't bad. Yeah, he, he says he's a bucket. Yeah, those yeah. two young stars in the state of Texas, <laughs> 22 and 23. Yeah. Uh, Brock is back there at the Horn headquarters producing our show this morning in for, for Ty. What were you going to say, Brock? Oh, I was just laughing that you called him a bucket. I thought that was pretty funny. He's, he's, he's got, got a bucket. He's got some film against like some NBA guys, guys who are playing in the league right now, that in high school that he played against, that he showed out against. So No, C.J.'s a great athlete. He really he's showing that right now. Even in these like little all star games and stuff, CJ's a great athlete. And even part of his pre game routine, um, he actually does like a basketball like a basketball related warm up at times too. And like a, a baseball related warm up too. So yeah, does he swing a bat? Yeah, like he's just, yeah, he really is. He's like a great all around athlete. Hopefully, man, that translates to him being you know, the the Texan savior that could actually put them in a position to compete for a Super Bowl. But man, right now CJ Stroud. He he was seen with Amber Rose, but it was it was reported that she just she she disputed and refuted any reports that there was anything, you know, scandalous going on. Hardly know the guy. He just gave me a ride. He was a nice guy. That's all she said. Missed and, my van. Yeah. And for her, usually she's an opportunist. But for her to say that actually does mean a lot. Yeah. She, I think she's trying to protect. I think the reputation he has is that he's a guy that's really strong in his faith, and he actually is a nice young man. Yeah. So she doesn't want to corrupt him. Thank the Lord. Right. Yeah, because I mean, Houston fans will remember when their young basketball star James Harden started dating the Kardashian, and you're like, oh, geez. Oh, yeah, we knew. Oh, man. Everybody knew. It was like, that's oh, man. the downfall. Yeah. Which one was that? Was that Chloe? <laughs> Chloe, yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and he was, yeah, he was it? 
he was precursor. In, yeah, he was in the strip clubs a little bit before that, but not not as bad. He yeah, became, he was. He didn't have the reputation. He had celebrity status, and he changed everything. Yeah, yeah. And I remember doing this show saying, <laughs> of all the girls in the world that you could have, James Harden, you're going to go with the the second string Kardashian, or what are we doing here? <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't wise. No, you're, was. a, you're an all star. It I, wasn't wise. That's when I first realized that he's 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 not clutch. Mm. He's not clutch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, it it was the beginning of kind of the end of his, the, the, like his his public persona. For me, at least, it's like, no, it was oh, for a lot man. of people. His public persona as a player, he still balled out after that, right? He still. He still won MVP after that, didn't he? He did. He, he balled out after he, let, that. he could score. He yeah, was, so you could argue he got a Kardashian bump. Well, James Harden, this is the comparison now to Dak Prescott, right? James Harden was a great regular season player but could not come up big in the big moments and when his team needed him. Closest he ever got to playing in the finals was with Chris Paul because Chris Paul was stepping up and carrying him past the Golden State Warriors, and he got hurt. They were up 3-2 on the Warriors, though. And then Chris Paul got hurt. They was up 3-1 on them, wasn't they? I think it was 3-2. It was it 3-2? Chris Paul pulled his hamstring, and then they needed James Harden for one more win. Nope. He goes Dak Prescott. Full Dak Prescott. They were pretty close with uh, Westbrook, too, and they had Westbrook and Dwight Howard. And... I don't know what so, is close right? as that one. Uh, look, I mean, he was in the finals when he was in Oklahoma City with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook at the very beginning, mm-hmm. remember, before he right. got traded out of Oklahoma City to Houston. But, yeah, that whole Kardashian decision. So I'm glad that C.J. Stroud is – he just gave her a lift. Yeah, no, I'm glad, yeah, no, I'm glad he did. But, yeah, I mean, it's – like I said, I was a little worried about it. But it's okay. <laughs> a little worried about it. We're worried. We're worried about the our, our our star quarterback. Remember, we just went through some trauma with a star quarterback. Okay. Yeah, we get that. And him being inappropriate with the ladies, and Ooh, you know, see, not, not, res- not respecting the ladies. Just saying. And now we don't. You know. And, and by the way, I'm not saying Cindy Strauss anymore, but I'm saying hanging out with the wrong crowd, being yeah. being corrupted. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So All Star Weekend comes and goes. He scored 211 points. And the winner, uh, Rod, 211 points. Defense not e- even a factor in the basketball game. No. Highlight of the weekend Get was the, the Steph Curry versus, versus uh, INSQ three-point contest. That was the highlight of the NBA All-Star weekend. Uh, it was. It was a great – it was really compelling. Like, yeah, I thought it was a really good storyline. The fact that she decided to step back to the NBA three-point line and then it became a true competition. Steph had to – had to catch her. She had, she had 26 three-pointers. That actually ended up being compelling for a lot of different reasons. The battle of the sexist thing. You had two of the best three-point shooters in the history of their respective leagues and sports. Like I said, the NBA's got to try to replicate that a little bit more. They really do. I mean, that was, that was really uh, was really interesting on a lot of different levels. I think the fans actually learned something about you know the WNBA game sure. and that kind of stuff. So I thought they did a good job with that. I thought it was great. I, I enjoyed that. That was the one thing that you kind of, I mean, that you know, as, as a fan, we talk about uh, why why these you know sports are getting these huge TV contracts because it's appointment viewing, right? People tune in to see it. The only thing the NBA provided this weekend that I was made it a point to make sure I find and see was that I wanted to see it. Uh, I wanted to see how yeah. it went because we talked about it on Friday and it was a good conversation. You know, we had two they're two great shooters. And, boy, it they were both good. really good. They were both really clutch. 26 made shots for uh, – or 26 points for INSQ, 29 for Steph Curry. But well, they he, were competitive. They it, was, it, was a, it was a competition. Yeah. They were they, – that was what drove the uh, drama. And, and Steph went to the final rack in the corner, and he needed to knock down three, three or four more shots. And he swished every single one of them. It was pretty awesome. Because he's clutch. I'm not going to lie. My, my favorite event at the All-Star weekend has become the Celebrity All-Star game. Because you know that those dudes take it seriously. You see Miles Garrett doing like a tomahawk dunk. You know they're yeah. they're all in. But uh, 
what did what did y'all think of Kenny Smith's comments? Because I know he's he's been under fire this weekend. What did he say? Um, let me see if I can pull up the audio. I'll, okay. I'll play it. But he basically was saying that Sabrina should be shooting like from the WNBA three point line, not the NBA three point line, and then people got all all upset about that. Yeah, well, she they, was supposed to, and she chose yes to shoot from the NBA line. She well, was I think that you jog my memory. I remember I read about this and saw it. I didn't hear him make the comments, but it seemed like he was giving her credit, saying, look, he, Steph only beat her with the final rack by three, and she shot from his three-point line. That's giving her credit, but people took it as a, as a knock against her that she you know, she should have stayed where she where she normally shoots from. But Stay that was her life. Yeah, that, that was her choice. I don't. I didn't see those those comments as controversial. I think he was actually in support of Sabrina Ionescu for you know, taking the challenge to shoot for him where he shoots I from. Didn't, I, I got didn't the audio it. right here. You want me to play it? Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. And men versus women in the three point contest, we put the best four NBA players against the best WNBA players. Shooters shoot, and let's see it. Even playing field, there's no ten foot rim that holds you back, and let's knock it down. Well, according to you, you want her just playing with dolls, right? No, I wanted I wanted to shoot from no, where she shoots no, from. No, she does shoot threes in the game, just not like from Kate. there. Caitlin Court, all right, coming up. It's the ATT slam dunk. Can Matt McClung defend his? title or will we crown a- yeah i yeah i don't yeah i don't know the doll thing who said the doll thing i didn't get that I one think that, I, was, I, but I, that was, that was reggie Smith miller too. i think yeah that was reggie miller i think who said that because okay. uh, look of course reggie miller's sister was at times better than him than playing basketball Cheryl miller back in the <laughs> well, day so this was the doll reference like some other conversation they were having prior to that i guess it was, it was preceded I, know, I, that. The, I played the wrong audio that was not the right one but he kind of he he mentioned it a little bit like oh she should be shooting from this line and yeah, he was just advocating what I was advocating for on Friday, that you know you, you shoot with your ball and from the distance you normally shoot. This is what I want to see as a fan. I want to see you in your comfort zone. I want to see Steph in his comfort zone. Well, Don't ask either of them to step outside their comfort zone for a shooting contest. As, as Kenny Smith said, it's a 10-foot net, 10-foot rim. It's a ball. I want to see, I want to see shooters shoot. And, uh, you know, she, uh, she, volunteered, she chose to, to step back and shoot from the NBA 3, which was great. Yeah, I and that's was, why I was like, why is this a controversy right now? Because like, people were yeah, mad it about that. Really? But people yeah, were, I will say that people were upset before that because we talked about this on Friday. And shout out to my man Tower brought it up. People were upset on uh, Twitter before this actual event because they thought she should have been, or at least both of them should have been using the same size ball and they should have been shooting from the same distance. And Tower, remember, Tower was pretty passionate about it. Like, no, man, that's, I don't like it. I think it's unfair. That she gets to shoot from WNBA distance with a WNBA ball. Whether you agree or disagree, that obviously was a discussion on Twitter and social media. That's why she decided. All right, you know what? I'll go from the NBA line. I don't even care. So it, it was a discussion, and that's part of why it was entertaining yeah. and compelling. Because there was a debate about it. Whether you think it's a silly debate or not, or whether you don't like it or not, you think it's sexist, whatever, it ended up being compelling. That's what they need more of. That's the thing, though. I don't know what would ever make it sexist. I don't know what what would be sexist about that. I'm just – I mean, compare it to other competitions. If you go bowling, you can use your own bowling ball. Whichever one you're – it's about knocking the pins down, trying to knock pins down. Uh, You're you're trying to make shots. Uh, That's what I would tune in to see. I don't know why saying she – you know, because, again, the the way I heard that was Kenny Kenny was saying, look, let the – let, let the, the the WNBA ladies shoot where they normally shoot, and he shoots where he normally shoots, and yeah. we've got an even competition. Well, I think um, he made the analogy to he was like, well, that's why women tee off, 
you know, from a shorter distance when they're playing golf. Like, she needs to be shooting up closer. And then the other guy was like, why are you trying to put limitations on her? You know, and that was well, kind of the Well, they the do dispute. actually golf. They do have a different tee box than the men do. Yeah. That's actually yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> and they shoot up, they play on shorter courses. Um, that's an actual fact. But and I that's think not the, sexist, that just is. Reggie Miller was like, she made the same amount of threes that Damian Lillard just made, and he won the three-point contest why are you saying that she needs to be scooting up and it, it became like really awkward on air yeah well let me just say uh, yeah like i said people were passionate about it on social media like i said about the distance and all that like even ty represented that on friday yeah i don't huh? get the controversy i guess i mean I, I get the conversation um but i i think i think she held up her end she was tremendous and so was steph curry and that that's why that was a compelling event because mm-hmm. it went to the wire and uh there was a moment in the uh, second to the last rack or third to last rack where i think it was kenny smith who said oh man she's gonna beat him she's gonna beat it because he had a bad rack yeah and uh, she had a lead and he had to get really hot late um kind of like old, old larry bird style or old, old reggie miller style mm-hmm. to come back to win it i think kenny the jet participated in the three-point shootout in his stage as well but he was a rocket right. yeah you're right about that when he was a Houston Rocket. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was your NBA All-Star weekend. Dame Lillard had the good weekend, won three points, shootout, and won the uh, MVP, the Kobe Bryant MVP award. Oh, yeah. He's actually the first since Michael Jordan to win an All-Star event and All-Star MVP in the same weekend. All right. So uh, your thoughts on the weekend without football. We've also got baseball. I thought, uh, Rod, real quick, on the Longhorn baseball team, I thought it was a strong performance. I really came away impressed with San Diego, too. I mean, that's going to be a win team that wins a lot of ball club, uh, a lot of ball games. Uh, we told you on Friday, previewing the series with Texas and San Diego, that they were both picked to finish second in their conference. You know, Texas is picked behind TCU. They were finished, picked second in the West Coast Conference, and I thought it, it lived up to it. These were three really good games. The different, the, yeah. the differing blow in the first game was the Grand Slam. And how about Jalen Flores, the young uh, sophomore shortstop, who's going to be a, a key player. And you can tell he's batting in the three-hole. He's playing shortstop. He's among their, their top three or four players. And he hits the Grand Slam. Not just a grand slam rod to to jolt the crowd, the largest opening night crowd in program history on Friday, oh. you know, nearly ten thousand people there. Uh, he hit the home, home, the grand slam into the Yeti yard, the brand new feature, the Yeti section, baby. Which uh, Brock informed us earlier is open to the public. You can just walk in there, like if you're out back in the Occupy Left Field, you just wander into the uh, into the gate there, and you're in the Yeti yard. Uh, but the place went crazy. I'm sure Yeti paid a pretty penny for that sponsorship. And they get a lot of love on the opening night with a grand slam into the Yeti yard. That won't be the last, but it was the first. So the Longhorns win that ball game. And then they turn around and they lose Saturday's game in a tough, tight one um, where, you know, Charlie Hurley, the big right-hander, got the start, pitched really well early, but then kind of lost control and um, walked three guys and uh, ended up, you know, letting letting, uh, the Toreros uh, get get the lead. You had to come back. You get into extra frames, and they hit the home run and beat you. But a good ball game, a really good ball game. I'll say this, that that San Diego team can play some defense. Man, they made so many plays on the defensive side. Uh, So it was a really good, good series. But then yesterday the Longhorns, come back and get it and uh, stretch that game out with a couple of big innings. Uh, this is going to be a good ball club, as we talked about. This will be a fun team to watch develop. The LBJ is going to be – he'll get his groove going on Friday nights. I think Charlie Hurley will figure it out. And, um, you know, there's a lot to see and a lot to build on there for what this Texas team can be. I mentioned the top three in the order, really bringing it, um, you know, setting the table, you know, providing the run opportunities and the scoring opportunities, which they did. And I, I thought outside of the Charlie Hurley bad inning – one of the problems with Texas last year, Rod, on the pitching mound was a lot of walks. Yeah. A lot of inconsistency with the strike zone. They were, they were on point. Um, I, thought the, I thought they were pitching to contact better. I thought they were really attacking the zone, pitching ahead in counts for most of the series. Uh, so I, I, a lot to work on. Now, the biggest concern is Tanner Witt. 
who, you know, he, he, he had one good inning and then got bumpy in his second. And, um, you know, he, he hit, where he is is going to be a, the challenge. Pierce, David Pierce told the media after the game that Witt is dealing with a medical issue that's not allowing him to get full extension in his throwing motion. So we don't – that, that's pretty vague. Yeah. Of course, he's, you know, coming off the Tommy John surgery and has a full, had a full off season to get healthy. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on the progress of Tanner Witt as it goes because he's going to be an X factor to, to, the, to the ceiling of that ball club. Yeah. No, I love the uh, – the, at the Yeti yard already – uh, my man Brock said it's it's lit. It, it, well, anybody can go hang out there. I love the fact that the culture of Texas baseball is always you, you, you're you're invited. You're, you know I mean? Come on in. Yeah, it's it's not it's not about exclusivity. It's a very welcoming environment, and I'm glad they kept that same energy and vibe. Basically, the Occupy left field vibe and culture. And shout out to them for establishing that kind of fan culture. It's it's still the same vibe, even with the Yeti yard. That's pretty cool that you can just kind of walk on in, walk in, no big deal. Bring BYOB. That's the coolest bring your, part. Bring your I mean, own brewing. That is that is really cool. You can have your own Yeti and yeah. uh, walk on in the Yeti yard. That's because pretty you, badass. Because you because you're you to look me I'm, I'm cynical. I'm amazing. Okay, you got to you got some company rents that thing out and they got to pay got to pay eight bucks for a, for a Bud Light yeah. and all this. No no no, just come on in. That, come on in. That is, Somebody. Like I said, Somebody did text in and say that they do have 140 person capacity. Okay. That was my there big question was was whether they they cut it off. But. Yeah, no, it's so cool. Probably... I'm never going to the student section ever again. <laughs> You're going Yeti Yard. Uh, Always. Well, you'll be... Well, it, you can bring your own booze if you want to have a couple coldies and while you're watching the ball. And you can just stay as long as you want to. Bring a lawn chair, sit it on down there. Yeah, that thing. It, 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 if that's the thing, if that's the case, and they got that kind of capacity, then yeah, it'll probably start filling up though pretty oh, well, quickly. Yeah, if, if the capacity is that, you have to get there early. You have yeah. to get there early because people are not going to be leaving and going back and no, forth. They're going to no, get no, there, no, stand no. there and kick it and watch the whole game. So, well, yeah. think about yeah. for the big home series they have this year. I mean, there's going to be. Uh, a race to that thing when they got uh, yeah. that Aggie game coming up on March, March 5th. Yeah, man. March that's, 5th that's is gonna uh, right around the corner. That's yeah. a Tuesday night game with the Aggies. Uh, yeah, they'll be running to, to get up in that. Baylor comes to town. Kansas State comes yeah. to town. Kansas State's one of the better teams in the Big 12 this year in the preseason. So, uh, yeah, there'll be TCU comes here. So, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Y'all have to go check it out. It's, it's really cool. And they're talking about extending it, like, all the way around the outfield. Or as much that as makes they can sense. without running to the bullpen. Yeah. But I was well. going to say, that probably does make sense because it's probably going to be way more popular than they anticipated. Well, that's what <laughs> they were talking about, like, going into the SEC. All the SEC baseball teams have, like, a standing room, like, along uh, the, the outfield. Gotcha. And, yeah. and they were trying to figure out how to do that. They were. I heard somebody was talking about them potentially shutting down. Um, what's that What's that street right there? Not um, – I'll blank on the name of it. The one that goes like up right, right next to the parking garage that you have to like yeah, go through. Yeah, they're yeah. talking about closing off that road, extending it out a little bit. But uh, it's really cool uh, though. I think the Yeti big yards stuff good, just, no doubt. Uh, Oklahoma is also a home series this year for Texas. Mm. Uh, no, actually, no, that's in Norman uh, coming up in late April. All right, we'll come back when we do. We'll be at the turn. We'll be halfway through our five-hour Monday conversation on this President's Day. Rod will also take us behind the BOC, get some off-the-record conversation for the end of the hour. It's a busy one on a Monday. Glad you're with us.
Return is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's Day. Indeed, we're at the turn, halfway through our five-hour conversation this morning. We're nine holes in and nine holes to go, and you had a golf over the weekend, Rod. Brought to you by Callahan's General Store, keeping your yard in golf course condition year-round. As we said, we'll be in the 80s. By later this week, might want to get out to Callahan's, or you should get out to Callahan's and uh, yes, be ready sir. to get that fertilizer down, start bringing that yard back to life as it's going to come out of dormancy here in the month of uh, uh, into March. So go get all the details you need to get that yard going into the spring, Rod. Yes, and, uh, so how about this? We talked on uh, Thursday about how, how you know, what, what the chances were this could be a real exciting weekend with the NFL being out uh, and, and you're looking for something. Tiger Woods was going to be a draw, right? Tiger, Tiger Woods Tiger, back Tiger on a Woods, golf course. Yo. Well, think of the, what a rough weekend for the PGA Tour and a bad weekend it was. So Tiger Woods started with this. Tiger Woods has back spasms and has a shank on Thursday, which, you know, he, he, was, he was still in contention. He was going to make the cut, it looked like. And then he withdraws early in his second round because of an illness. Oh. That he was running a fever, he didn't feel good, and because um, you, you immediately thought it was back spasms. But no, it was a flu. Well, then Jordan Spieth is right up on the top of the leaderboard. Remember, Jordan Spieth won the national championship on this course when he was at Texas. Okay, so good vibes. He loves this course. He loves this course. And he ends up making a double bogey on 18, and then you see him run up to the clubhouse. Apparently, he also got sick, Rod. He had a little little Rhea going. A little bubble guts. A little bubble guts. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he runs in, runs to the restroom, yeah, and ends up coming back and, you know, haphazardly, you know, maybe not feeling great. Signs an incorrect scorecard because they he had written a wrong. Well, he was distracted. He was distracted, right? Come on now. And I think he might have been distracted. Guts will do that to you. And he might have been distracted on 18 when he made double bogey. That he's thinking, oh man, I gotta. Ooh, whoa, yeah, exactly. You know how that goes. Going on. Oh no, <laughs> there, there, there's, there, it I need takes to get time to the priority. Exactly. <laughs> you can't think about anything else. You definitely can't focus on making a golf shot. I need to get to the clubhouse here. Let's hear uh, Xander yeah. Shoffley talking about this because it became a big controversy and the whole thing of you know stodgy old golf, kind of like baseball and college football, the two old school sports that are the slowest to react yeah. and make changes, this is a dumb rule. I mean, come on, we've got track man technology, automated everything. We can't really? I mean, you're going to disqualify one of the top players in the world because he, you know, had was sick and signed the card <laughs> wrong? Come on, man. Uh, give me a break. Get out of the way. Uh, but listen to uh, Xander Shoffley the next day explaining what, because uh, he was playing with Tiger there, with uh, Jordan that day. Uh, I mean, Jordan, he, he knows. He knows what happened, and he was really sick, and he had, a, he had a rough last hole, and you know I can see how it all went, went down. And um, you know I heard he had to go, kind of you know ask some questions around the locker. He had to go to the restroom. And came back like a minute later, and the card was wrong. So it's like maybe there needs to be some sort of softening on the rules. But for the most part, we all kind of know what, what goes on in there, and it's really unfortunate it happened. Yeah, accuracy is important. Wow. No one's saying that, but it, it's automated everything. You can make sure every every shot he took was on television. Come on, crying out loud. Yeah, I know there's some in the digital age. There's a better way to do this. Yeah, it's like automated strike zones and automated on, rules in, in sports. But so okay, so the sick became this. So so Patrick Cantlay, who's you know one of the best players, and he's a Southern California guy. He ends up with a five stroke lead rod, but it turns out that he played yesterday with a hundred degree temperature. Like and he ended up losing by five. So uh, something on. was going around the locker yeah, right. room, Seriously. apparently. Come on, man. Somebody, you know, did it start with Tiger? I don't know. Someone, did, did, some, the little bug was, was, was rolling through. And, that, huh. and so if you're CBS, you're like, oh, man, no Tiger, no Jordan. Justin Thomas didn't make the cut. Uh, you know, so you had to, it ended up being Hideki Matsuyama who comes to win this thing with an incredible final round, 62. He had a putt for 61 on 18, which was unbelievable, which would have been the course record. Uh, there at Riviera, uh, pretty awesome. But Rod, the ongoing conversation of Scotty Scheffler will be ongoing throughout the golf year. Came back to haunt him again. Oh my gosh! Again, 
On Look at this. Going into Sunday, he had missed eight putts from inside 10 feet, Rod. I mean, pro golfers make eight out of 10 from 10 feet in. Yeah. Eight out of 10. He missed putts from two feet, six inches. He missed an 8.5-inch 8. 8. putt, wow. uh, nine feet, seven inches, five feet, nine, five feet, five, three feet, five. That was a three-putt bogey from nine feet. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Three foot seven that he That's missed. Brutal. I mean, this guy is so in his own head. It's so sad to watch. I mean, he is a mess on the greens. That's crazy. Think about that for a professional golfer who is the number one player in the world still, by the way. It's not some dude. And that's how good he That's how elite he is in every other He's Tiger Woods circa 2000 from tee to green. He, he, he three-putt bogeyed from three, five, three and a half feet, Rod. Three and a half feet. He three-putt bogeyed. <laughs> that, that, that is like, I mean. That's amateur. That's, I was going to say, that's like you are yes. like, a, just a, that's like a random jabroni out there. Yep. He, when he's, he's putting. He's tee to green like Tiger Woods circa 2000, and he putts like me. Wow. It's just unbelievable. That is fascinating because you know it's all mental. Like, that's oh, just – you, you can't be that skilled and be that bad at yep. that aspect of it. So, it's all mental for him. And I don't know how he breaks it. It's going to be – because the more he works on it, the more it becomes mental. And now it's such a big story. Everybody's watching it. Every time oh, he puts, it's, yeah. a, it's the number one story. Hey, so there you so, go. That's at the t- – go ahead, Ron. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was I was going to say I was watching him yesterday, and this this is a dumb question. It is. I'm afraid to ask it, but is it allowed? Could you bring a level onto the green just no. to see? No, that's not allowed. No, okay. no, no. That, that. But <laughs> it was funny that Roy, Roy McElroy, who's a good friend of his, was asked about. It. He said he should use a mallet. Just use a mallet, <laughs> <laughs> like a croquet mallet or something. Just use a mallet because they all feel bad for him because they, you know, it's like uh, ugh, it's the fear of every every golfer. It's just uh, you lose it on the greens, man. It is a bad deal. So tough on Scotty, tough on Jordan, tough on Tiger. Um, we won't see Tiger again for a month, I would imagine, uh, when he didn't make it into the weekend. But congrats to Hideki Matsuyama. That's half the turn. Brought to you by Callahan's General Store at the bottom of each 8 o'clock hour here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What? is behind that curtain. All right, nobody had a better weekend than Steve Sarkeesian because uh, he agreed to a new contract, a contract extension uh, with the Texas Longhorns, a 78% increase in guaranteed compensation uh, with Sark's new deal. Uh, he'll have a raise uh, now to $10.3 million for the first year of extension in year four. It goes up 100000 every year, uh, I believe. It ends up around 2030 getting to $10.9 million. That'll make him the third highest paid coach in college football. Um, behind Kirby Smart and behind Dabble Sweeney, two guys who have national champion championships already. He also gets a $300,000 one-time payment as a little bonus that comes up April 1st for Sark, and it has a ton of perks in this uh, new contract for Sark. Uh, one of the perks is he gets two dealer cars. Um, the, the university will pay also for his club membership. He gets club membership, gets uh, private jet use, 20 hours of private jet 
used for personal time. He'll get lots of tickets. It's a bunch of incentives in there. So he gets a bunch of perks, which Sark deserves. So he also now, if you go look at uh, the contract, he got all of his coordinators bumped too. Now, this is important. This is actually the contract's important, and Sark deserves it, by the way, so shout out to Sark, and congratulations. He deserves the big raise. Um, now he's in the rarefied air of being in that $10 million a year club in college football, third highest paid coach in college football, but he also wanted to make sure his coordinators got paid and extended, so bump and extended are big deals. Uh, all the coordinators got bump and extended through 2026. Jeff Banks, who is basically the consiglietti. <laughs> All right, of the Texas football program, he's he's uh, he's Sark's main guy. Um, you can consider him, you know, second or third in command around there um, for Sark, and he got bumped and extended. Uh, so did PK. So did Kyle Flood. Uh, to Troy's got bumped and extended. Uh, most of the coordinators and coaches got extended through 2026, but um, Terry Joseph and Blake Gideon, um, their extensions only go through 2024. So I believe everybody got bumped, but I guess not everybody got extended to the same year, in, uh, to the same year, which is 2026 for the coordinators and the assistant coaches. So to me, that says that you know Sark wants to give himself a potential out to upgrade um, at the DB coaching spots if necessary. Now, it may not be necessary uh, because this is a big year for the defensive backfield. I've talked about this that – you know, if you look at roster construction and you just kind of map out the roster construction for Texas, the defensive backfield seemed like one of the last phases of roster construction. You got five DBs coming in in this recruiting class uh, most recently, and you got Makuba coming in. That's six DBs in one class, and you go look at it every other level of the defense, every phase, uh, every level of the defense, and pretty much. I don't know, all, all around, every phase of the, the, the team pretty much has improved drastically since Sark got here and they went 5-7, and seven, except defensive back. Uh, I mean, the, the coverage and the defensive backfield really hasn't improved that much. Your linebacker group, you're one of the best linebacking cores in college football at one time. Your interior D-line, your rush defense, um, you know, offensively, we talked about how Sark remade the offense. I mean, that was pretty quick. That was a top priority for him because he's the offensive play caller. So, and then the special teams has been great since Jeff Banks got here. I don't know if the, the special teams has, all, has been even average. Uh, they've been above average to really good every uh, year they've been here. So Jeff Banks has probably had the most consistent phase of the game. Really the only area where they haven't improved uh, and a marked improvement has been the defensive backfield and coverage. They've been, you know, poor to below average. So I think this is a big year for them because you got Der a young Derek Williams. You got a young Malik Muhammad. So they have infused some of their talent. Now you overhaul the entire defensive backfield, not only with guys leaving through the transfer portal and graduation, but you return to Jade Barron, and now you have death behind those guys. That's what this, class, this recruiting class is about. So this is a big year for the defensive backfield. They should be a strength this year. Um, and they've been a liability every for the last three years. And I, I do think if the defensive backfield and coverage is not a strength this year, uh, you may see Sark um, upgrade potentially. At least that's what the contract, you know, that implies. The new contract implies where everybody else got bumped and extended and the D, DB coaches didn't get extended as, as, as long. As those other coaches. That's all it means. And I don't think that I don't think it's an indictment necessarily on them. I just think it's just smart by Sark to give himself a possible 
out to upgrade at that position when they haven't really shown you yet that they are, you know, they are going to develop that defensive backfield in the way that you envision. They haven't really shown you that just yet. And I like Blake Gideon and I like Coach Terry Joseph. We know they can recruit, but development is a big part of why this program has turned around so quickly. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and you haven't really seen that in defensive backfield just yet. Just yet. Uh, yeah. You know, and you know, maybe the guys that, that moved on were not the right pieces at the same time. But, yes, this, this group should develop because Manny Muhammad, uh, Terrence Brooks, uh, you know, the young, the young safety. Uh, Derek Williams. Derek Williams. Yeah. I mean, these guys are, are potentially elite, you know, top players. They've shown that already. So, you know, you want to see that continued development into year two, into year three. I think that's a good point. Yeah, Sark deserves it. He's got uh, – you know, as we said, if he had wanted to go to Alabama, he could have demanded the exact same amount of money and all the perks, because that's what happens when a big job like that comes over. Everybody gets raises, Rod. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, and I haven't heard many people complaining about it. Longhorn nah. fans complaining about it, and if somebody does have a problem with it, I mean, the truth is that's kind of the the going rate. Um, at a program like Texas when you do have your coach of the future. So I think it says as much about Sark and what he's accomplished and achieved, but also it says a lot about the value of that position now at the University of Texas. And think about it, guys, the new changing landscape, the, the, the job has never been tougher. Right? We talk about how there's no downtime, there's no offseason anymore really either for these coaches. You have a changing landscape they have to keep up with. You almost have to – be a GM now with the way that the free market has hit college uh, sports, college football specifically, with the transfer por- portal being inexplicably, you know, inextricably linked to the NIL and the free market. There's a lot now to account for if you are a head coach uh, with the roster attrition happening every year with the transfer portal being you know, no real off season for these coaches. So I just think the job is tougher. It demands more than it ever has. Thank you, right. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, and I, you know, the the thing with with your the, the, in college football, you know, if you have the guy, you keep the guy among the highest couple paid coaches in the country. I mean, he's due. Now, I know Sark people would say, well, he hadn't won it yet. Well, he's on a trajectory that he that, that they're going to get this done. They're going to be playing yeah. uh, in the twelve team playoff, and you know, those guys are hard to find. Mass Texas, the last you know, fifteen years since Mac Brown left, they're hard to find. Yep. Uh, so when you find one, you, you lock them in. And something the Lost Dodds used to always say back when he was extending and giving Mac Brown a raise every year. Look, I mean, what would I have to pay to go hire his replacement? I mean, we're just going to keep him. We, we have our guy. Keep him happy, man. We're winning, so we're going to keep him uh, among the highest-paid coaches. Just expect it. That's just the way that works, and especially when a Nick Saban retires and a job like that comes open and there's leverage that you know, they wanted to talk to Sark and all those kind of things. Uh, but you're right. No one's really complaining about it. It's just the way it works these days. But, you know, there are some. Yeah. Compared to Jimbo Fisher. Why well, you give him a new contract after just one good year? Make it, let him do something. That kind of stuff. But look, I mean, for the Jimbo Fisher conversation. It's, uh, He's he, building it different than Jimbo. 100%. He's, build, he's building it differently. He's building it for more sustainability than what Jimbo had there at him. I mean, obviously, they Jim, Jim, Jimbo Fisher, and it was pretty obvious, he wore uh, relationships pretty thin around there at a and oh, He was very unliked. He was exact, and we, we by the way, I'm not saying Texas is about that because Texas just experienced that with Tom Herman. Yep. Tom Herman was winning games, but Tom Herman behind the scenes did not value relationships. He was not cultivating those relationships with his superiors, but also with the boosters and the donors behind the scenes, with the players. That's also part of it. Yeah. Um, you, you lose your locker room. You get fired for two reasons, losing games and losing your locker room. And, and it, I, Tom Herman, he was winning games. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> already lost the locker room. in three straight years, Sark has, you know, a 12-win season. Jimbo's best was nine. Um, you know, 
conference titles. Sark has one. Jimbo didn't have. Well, look any, at that so. quarterback room. <laughs> yeah. Jim, well, look at the offense. Jimbo's offense wasn't a modern offense. It was an antiquated offense. Sark's offense is modern. It attracts the the young uh, talent. They all right. want to play in the offense. I mean, look at the quarterback room for God's sake. He's got, you know, he's stacking, you know, five star quarterbacks in an era when the transfer portal you're not supposed to be able to keep multiple blue chip quarterbacks in the room. You know, Sark's building it the right way. He's building it for sustainability. I think he's off to a better start than Jimbo. For sure. And if you you have your guy, you keep your guy. That's just the way it works. Hey, so – Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's hard no, hard talking when we can't see each other. Our boy uh, CB texted in with a good question. He said, what kind of cars does Sark get? Are they loaners or gifts to keep? Is there a cap on the price? Ooh. They're dealer cars. I want to say basically they're kind of loaners, if I'm loaners? not mistaken. Okay. I, don't know if he just, I don't know if he just gets to like have them, and they just gift him two cars. I think they basically, from what I understand, I could be way off about this because I know a couple of car dealers, uh, in, and they've had um, basically agreements with the university, and they, they give cars to coaches. I believe they just have access to the cars, and they're they're their cars, but they are owned by the university essentially. Yeah, yeah. I've always been right, curious about that as well because yeah. you see, like USC bought Lincoln Riley like this massive mansion. I'm like, is that did they buy it for no, him? I think or that, they... No, I think the I think the houses are different. Okay, yeah, I, I, think, I, I don't understand. Yeah, I think I the houses may be a little different. I think they actually, uh, if I'm not mistaken, because wouldn't you want to own your own house? Yeah. yeah. I think that would be part of your more okay. You'd be like, no, nah, I want to own the house. You ain't going to own the house. Well, maybe, maybe it's like a rent-to-own type deal. That yeah, I think it's, it's got to be something different with the houses. Like the cars, I know I know some people that actually are in the car business, and yeah, they, the university, basically, it's through the university. Yeah, kind of like this, the, the, uh, the, the, the country club membership. I mean, yes. Uh, ACC just kind of holds one for the UT yes, football Yes, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, it's <laughs> housing, I don't know how that works. That, well, actually, I'm sure that's different because well, everybody when, wants to own their well, own Well, when house. USC hired Lincoln Riley, one of the things they did, they did provide him a house, and I think it was like a, a, one of, a booster's house that he's living in, uh, a big, you know, one of the big donors, and – they bought his house in, in Norman. Like they bought they, it, they, yeah. Because they, they, they figured he was going to be such an anti. No one's going to yeah. want to buy that house. Yeah. Because it's Lincoln Riley's <laughs> house. We're not buying that damn house. We'll buy it and overpay it. So his agent put it in the contract. you got to buy his house in yeah. Norman. got to buy the house. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah, you think your agent will put that in the contract that, hey, man, no, we want to own the house. Yeah. Especially in places like Austin. For sure. Oh, yeah. In places, right? yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You want to own that property. We will come back. When we do, we'll go off the record here ahead of the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, it is uh, off the record. Topics you've missed, but there will be talked about. So you want to hear about them. D.D. Megadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get they bring the income. Congratulations. Continue good sex in the sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, off the record time. Stories you need to hear, including, you know, it was 23 years ago today, Rod, that uh, the legend Dale Earnhardt, the Intimidator, passed away after a crash in the last lap at the Daytona 500. Oh, man, it's uh, unbelievable. 23 yeah. years ago, it's time flies. But uh, what Didn't a, they change a lot about the sport after that? Oh, yeah, Hans devices Safety. and yeah. softer rails. I mean, cause that was one of those crashes that in, in first glance didn't look like it was that violent. But, man, head on at 180 miles an hour into a wall. I mean, yeah. uh um, severe, you know, force you change, right? You're going from that fast to a dead stop, essentially. Yeah, uh, so they had to, to cushion the blow. But, man, uh, what a final lap, too. It was very dramatic. And then all of a sudden he ends up 
passing. Well, they're going to run the Daytona 500 today, Rod, uh, the, the, uh, because of the weather. You know, the Longhorn softball team was off to a great start. They had several games rained out Saturday, Sunday because of this storm and this, this rainstorm in yeah. Florida. They didn't have a chance uh, to run the Daytona 500. They will run it today, 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock. There you go. Um, okay. Did you hear what Rick Pitino said uh, after losing to Seton Hall? <laughs> My man Rick Pitino just oh, won't man. go away. Really. I'm gonna try to find the, the, the. I sound some audio, but I don't know if it'll it'll come across on on air. So I'm gonna try to find some better audio. But he said, <laughs> "quote We are so unathletic that we can't guard anybody without fouling." For me, I've always enjoyed the first year. And I'm not going to lie to you, this is the most unenjoyable experience of my lifetime. <laughs> this has been so disappointing. <laughs> that is what he said. That is a direct quote. Uh, yeah, he said, we kind of lost this season with the way we recruited. It's a good group. They try very hard. Uh, they're just not very tough. Man, not he's very going tough. off on his team. Damn. He, did, he said, this is the most unenjoyable experience of my lifetime. This guy has been in scandals and like all across his career. He come. He said this. That's how bad this team Sex is. In the bathroom at an Italian restaurant when he's yeah. in Louisville. I come mean, on, man. Scandals. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, your players, coach. You got to coach them. This has been so disappointing. Wow. There you go. So Rick Pitino, not happy with this team. You know who is tough, Ron? Because you're you're now a, a girl dad. Yes, sir. Proud papa of a young daughter. Damn right. Sylvester Stallone. He's got two daughters, Sophia and Sistine. Don't they have like a reality TV show? Or I don't know. Yeah, Don't they do? Yeah, yeah, I think they do. Yeah. He revealed that he was so nervous about his two daughters when they moved to New York City. So, but Sly hired Navy SEALs to train them in self-defense. I like that. <laughs> so they could move hey, to New York. Awesome. You know what? I like that actually. I support that. I support that. I've actually thought about that too in the future. Like, man, what am I do about self-defense to my Sistine, daughter? Sistine she says it was fight. hard. It's about six hours in the woods. Sophie and I got our butts whooped to those guys. They were the real deal. Oh, I love it. I'm They're not surprised that, uh, they put us through something like that because our entire life we grew up with him doing these sorts of military-esque self-defense trainings. I was going to say, they're on that Tiger Woods regimen. Oh, yeah, training yeah, yeah. Tiger, yeah, that's a good point. Tiger did some of that Navy oh, SEAL for stuff. for sure. Oh. It's part of why Tiger's body's so beat up because he <laughs> – he reports he would jog miles in big combat boots, and mm-hmm. uh, he would do – because, you know, his father was military. It's about um, being mentally tough. Yeah. Well, and he took it to an extreme. Yeah, yeah, probably like, so. Like most things Tiger does, he takes them to the extreme. Yeah, probably so. Practice, yeah. sex, yeah. girls, hey. workouts. <laughs> hey, that's why, he's a, that's why he's a goat. I know. DUIs. Everything he's taking to extreme. Yeah. Well, remember when after hey. the, uh, the scandal, he admitted to being a sex addict. Which... I know. I'm, you know, <laughs> I know sex addicts exist, but I will say that it's – it's easier to be diagnosed as a sex addict when you have, like, money and you're celebrity, right? Because there are sex addicts, uh, it, 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 sex addicts that must exist with us every day, and are they diagnosed sex addicts? No. You can only be diagnosed if you're, like, rich and famous. You don't you, get diagnosed. If I'm a sex addict, I get called other things. Yes. <laughs> I, don't get, I don't get the diagnosis of just being a sex addict. You know what I mean? You get to be a diagnosis of being a sex addict when you're a celebrity and you're rich and famous. It's like you be rich and famous and you can get diagnosed with exhaustion. They do. They, they go, it goes like, oh, no, I'm just exhausted. So I got to check myself in. I'm exhausted. Like, really? You, you'll ne- you're too poor to get diagnosed as exhausted. You'll never, you, no doctor will ever do that for you because you won't even be accepted by your, your employer anyway. But sex addiction is one of those things. I know a lot of people that could be diagnosed as sex addicts, but they never get the diagnosis because they're not rich and they're not famous. 
Yeah, it's kind of like you gotta that. be rich or famous to get it. You ever see that meme where it's like, "What's the difference between flirting and sexual harassment?" It's how good you look. It's kind of the same thing. Yes, it's a, <laughs> it's a great point. It's along those lines. Yes, Brock, along those same lines. It's exactly it. All right, good stuff. We come back. Uh, we will continue this conversation. Rod will have his second rant of a, for a Monday morning, President's Day Monday. I'll hook him up with Ian Rodby.